The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, aka 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Red Sox On Deck Prospect Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Osgood. Joining me, as she will every week this season, is Shelly Verstraight. Shelly, happy opening day. How's everything going for you today? Um, It's great. There are so many baseball games on today. I took off work so I could just, you know, just sit back and relax and just watch baseball, you know, pretty much, you know, all day. And I just love how, you know, Jake is not here, right? <laughs> you know, the boss is not here. And we could just, you know, play around and, you know, just like talk about baseball and just do whatever. I love We're finally it. free. Uh, I totally agree with you. And we have <laughs> new theme music and, you know, it's April now. We're ready to go. So I, I, I'm with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so the first note that we had here was opening day thoughts because we thought we were going to have a baseball game today in Boston, uh, and we didn't. It got rained out. Um, now, I work about two miles from Fenway Park, and it stopped raining at 10 a.m., and it never rained again today. So, uh, you know, not ideal, not thrilled, but do you have any opening day thoughts outside of Boston? Anything that you saw on your day off that you wanted to throw out there? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I just assumed that it was raining up there. Um, I, I follow a couple of people, obviously, who live in Boston and then also live in New York. And I kind of know that's kind of sort of close. I mean, I live in Virginia, so I'm, you know, way right. far away. Um, so I'm just like, oh, it must be raining. But yeah, when you told me, you know, prior to recording that it didn't rain all day, I'm like, well, well dang it. Like, I, you know, we could watch, you know, Ivaldi and, and John Means today, but that's okay. We'll, we'll get them on Friday. <laughs> that's right. And, you know, now we have, you know, a three game stack instead of one and two. I, I, it, it's, it's okay. It was just kind of a bummer that, you know, you, you know, you work yourself up to just, just totally get, have opening day and then, yeah, no. That's a bummer. Absolutely. Not. And, you know, I'm sure they did it in advance for anyone that was heading in. You don't want to send everybody in on opening day and then have to bring them back another day. But, you know, not great. But um, we will move on. So um, the first thing that we were going to talk about today has to do with a prospect that we've hit on on a couple of the March episodes. And that's Tanner Houck. Uh, He's going to be getting a week one start. He'll be starting the second game scheduled for Saturday. Um 
And that's going to be because Eduardo Rodriguez is starting the season on the DL, so Houck gets a start early on. Um, any thoughts on that? We didn't really know if that was going to be happening based off of his first couple of starts. So what do you think about Houck getting the second game of the season, Shelley? Um, yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I think it's it's kind of surprising uh, if you would have asked me about this about like two weeks ago or something. But I mean, I totally get it, you know, with uh, Rodriguez's um, uh, injury or dead arm or whatever. Um, I I think that this is kind of like an easy transition for Hauk, um because, you know, it, in the early spring, he was kind of wild and erratic. Um, but that last start, he was very crisp. He, you know, he got a lot of strikeouts. It was, it was a really good start. So him, you know, facing the, you know, facing Baltimore for his first start, I think it's going to be a nice, easy transition. I don't know how long we're going to see him for. Um, you know, I'm kind of hoping that Erod's dead arm is just, you know, kind of one of those things that we kind of hear about. It's about like a two week thing. And then he's like, totally fine. So I don't know how much we're actually going to see from Hulk at the beginning of the season. But, I mean, if you're going to face Baltimore at your first start, that they're, you know, a lot uh, more uh, worse clubs to face. Yeah, and one of those clubs is Atlanta, who he faced in his final outing. Um, as you mentioned, the, the control was better. Only walked one in four and a third innings. Struck out six, um, including Acuna, Freeman, and Ozuna, who he faced in the first inning. Um, was throwing 97, was throwing his slider um, that, it, you know, is arguably his best pitch and was working in his splitter. Um, it sounded like all three pitches looked good. And again, one walk, six Ks, four and a third. So maybe they'll even be able to get five innings out of him uh, in his first start. Like you said, Baltimore is lower leverage um, for a for his first outing, um, not as much as the end of the season last year where the games really didn't matter, so a little more pressure, but I think it's great. It'll be good to see him, even if it's just for that one start before he gets sent back down. If Rodriguez is ready, it'll be good to know what we have um, with a little more pressure than he was throwing last season. So, yeah. All right, so um, kind of early on today, we're going to be talking later about some prospects at the lowest of levels, um, the Gulf Coast League, Dominican Summer League. We're going to be hitting on Blaze Jordan for sure and a few other prospects. So, um, you know, that, that'll be later on in the show. We wanted to start by talking about uh, a piece in The Athletic, and it is a podcast that Theo Epstein joined with Jason Stark and Doug Glanville on the Athletic uh, Baseball podcast. So they have a, a new show that's going to feature different guests throughout the week um, all year, and we'll we'll link to that in the episode notes. But there were a lot of things that we talked about a couple of weeks ago that had to do with potential rules changes. And you can go back and listen to that episode exactly what rules are going to be tested out at which levels, and some of them are for half the year, having to do with pickoff attempts and stolen bases and the, the shift, um, all of those things we talked about a little bit, but kind of some, some takeaways for me was just kind of how open-minded Theo is going to be. It seems like he's, he's a great advisor um, to the commissioner in that he's listening to a lot of feedback from the fans, knowing that their the games are a little bit too long um, and that it's becoming a bit 
pitching dominant with the three outcomes. And there's just more and more three outcomes. And a lot of these things with the strikeouts have nearly doubled over the last 10, 20, 30 years as you look back. Um, Theo talked about how the, the rules were made in 1890, so many of the rules, uh, the dimensions of the field. And, um, you know, I might not have the stats exact, but he talked about if you move the mound back one foot, that even that one hundredth of a second that the batter has more um, would essentially take a 1.5 miles per hour away from the fastball on the pitcher. So anyone that's throwing... 100 would be throwing 98.5, right? Um, and this isn't unprecedented. They lowered the mound after 1968, which was a season where uh, famously Bob Gibson had a 1.12 ERA. So it's not like this is that drastic of a move, um, but it, it's something that I thought was was the most interesting possible rule that we hadn't heard. That's not in place yet, but it was something that Theo threw out there as a possibility and you know, one one hundredth of a second seems like nothing. You know, it was it was interesting to kind of hear how much that would affect um, the hitter's reaction time. So, Shelly, I didn't know if you had any thoughts on on the article or about moving the mound or or really anything. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I I I did read the article and I thought it was like really great. And and just knowing that uh, Theo at least has you know a voice in the ear of the commissioner and. And we saw in the lower levels that they're trying some of these things out, you know, uh, like the, the shifts and, and the robo-umps and all this stuff. And I honestly think that that is a good place to actually try this out, you know, see what works, see what doesn't work. Um, but I just love how honest, you know, just reading the article, how honest Theo was just actually talking um about you know how much he likes the game he wants the game to be better he's he's not saying that the game is you know trash right now he's just like it could probably be better because there like you said there are way too many three true outcomes strikeout uh walk like home run like it's just too much of that and they and Theo is just like yeah I just want some more balls in play and I think um you know, us as like baseball fans, I, I really do think that we do want a little bit more action. I mean, yeah, home runs and strikeouts are nice, but sometimes you just want more, you know, action. And I just really like how honest Theo was about talking about, you know, talking about everything. And, and hopefully, um, while I disagree with some of these things that they're doing in the minor leagues, um, they're trying things and I'm fine with them trying things, just seeing how it goes. Yeah. And you know, if there's home runs and strikeouts all game long, they don't become as exciting if that's really all the game has become. Um, yeah, Yeah. exactly what you said there, you know, they're trying things out and they're seeing what happens. It might be that they overcompensate a little bit. The shift rules might be a little bit too aggressive and it might have unintended consequences and that's what he kept talking about if we see those unintended consequences at lower levels well maybe we can move it back a little bit and not go as drastic by the time that it gets to the major leagues um you know he talked about specific plays he talked about triples he talked about doubles um and specifically stolen bases which you can tell comes up a lot with the pickoff changes, the larger bases that they're trying out. Um, you know, same thing, a small 
size of the base means that you are closer to the next base and that split second play might have a higher percentage of stolen bases, which could encourage people to steal bases more often. Um, we talked about it a couple weeks ago with the pitch clock. Everybody that he talks to that plays in games with pitch clocks in the minor leagues, it sounds like the majority, they like it, they get used to it. Um, so I really think, and that's been the most important thing for me personally, is that you go to a minor league game and you see how quick quicker the games are and they move and you know you don't go over a minute without a pitch being thrown. Um, so it seems like he just wants to have the ball in play more often, more pitches being thrown at a, at a faster rate. And I'm all for that. Um, the last thing that was, it was kind of a subtle reference that he made, um, had to do with replay and, um, Jason Stark and, and Glanville had, had referenced that a little bit, you know, uh, holding a tag for an extra split second while a player is sliding into a base. And when you slow it down, you can see that they came off the base. That's not really the spirit of the rule. I think that's the worst of all of the replay rules to the point that I almost want to throw replay completely out of the game if we're going to be doing that. Um, so he, he said that, you know, that, that they're going to be looking at replay and that that play was referenced when he was talking about it. And you can tell that he's not a, a huge fan of real, really micromanaging the replay system. So I didn't know what you thought about that um, or or any of that with, with the pitch clock as well. Yeah, I, I'm all for a pitch clock. I mean, I, I um, you know, prior to, you know, COVID, um, I frequent a lot of, you know, minor league games and AFL games where they have the pitch clock. And it, it, it is really nice uh, because, I mean, just having just some type of time limit just, just to move the game along, it really helps things. And, and you know, as you said, pitchers don't really seem to mind it just once they realize you know what how long like how many ever seconds it is it's it's not really that bad they have enough time to 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 you know do whatever they need to do take a deep breath think about what they need to do it's enough time so i really do love them just uh pushing the pitch clock um and yeah i agree with you about the instant replay uh rules um i while I, I like it, I do not like it when it's like for like stolen bases or stuff and you're looking for someone to just pop up just because of, you know, physics. Like when you hit something, you're going right. to pop up. Well, they teach bit. you that, the pop up slide it, when you're growing up. A hundred percent. So it's like that's. Yeah. So I, 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 I like that they're also looking at that as well, because I there's just really no way that you could just, you know slide and stick it there is really no way (laughs) um so yeah yeah absolutely um so you know we're advertising someone else's podcast there but i i definitely recommend giving it a listen um they had theo on for i think close to an hour and he just had a ton to say he was super honest just about like you said you know the game is great it's not like it's a total disaster but you can't act like it is the best version of the game and it's not, you know, it's not the same version of the game and doesn't have as much, uh, you know, ball and play um, and just the length of games in general um, that that we had when we were growing up and, and going to games. So it definitely can get better. I think he is the perfect person to have as an advisor there. I doubt that he actually wants the, 
the commissioner job um, and everything that goes along with that. But he's the perfect person to have there. And he has had, you know, success at multiple <laughs> franchises now. So it's hard to really question um, his ideas. So I think we're heading in the right direction there. Um, all right. So moving along, we're going to talk today um, about kind of the levels that are below low A. And I think just understanding what these levels are, you hear about rookie leagues, you know, how many teams are there? Um, when do they play? How many games do they play? And who is there? Uh, obviously, we've we've hit on triple A, double A, high A, and low A over the last four weeks. This will be the last rundown that we do. Um, we're not going to go through every single one of these teams, but we figured we would combine the Gulf Coast Red Sox teams and the Dominican Summer League teams into one episode and hit on a few players there. Um, so with the Rookie League, there are um, potentially, it looks like there's going to be two Gulf Coast Red Sox teams and two uh, Dominican Summer League Red Sox teams. So you'll hear that the Dominican Summer League is abbreviated as the DSL Um so, you know, if we reference that, that's just short for the Dominican Summer League. With the, the Gulf Coast Red Sox, uh, they've been playing at JetBlue Park, which is you know, Fenway South, where they have the spring training games. They've been playing there since 2012. Uh, that league is based in Florida. There is another league in Arizona. So very similar to how spring training works. Um, you know, you'll hear that there are players that are around for extended spring training through April in normal years. Um, and then normally from mid-June to late August is the season um, down there. So you hear us talk about short season leagues. These are the two that, that have short seasons. Um, the recent draftees come up after the June draft. Um, a lot of times get sent right to the Gulf Coast, especially if they are um, you know, prep bats, high school, younger players usually will get sent there for a short season, a couple of weeks after they're drafted and hopefully signed. Um, they'll have 30 man rosters. There are different age requirements. You can only have so many players over the age of 20 or over the age of 21. Same thing with service time. You can't stay at the, at these levels for three, four years. So it's usually going to be the first and possibly second year of your service time that you would be at either of these levels. Um, so, you know, it's usually the first year of professional baseball, whether it's recent draftees or international players from the July 2nd signings, um, or possibly a player who might start at the Dominican Summer League and then get called up to the Gulf Coast League, um, the Gulf Coast Red Sox team from there after starting in the DSL. Um, historically, they've played 56 games. Hopefully that's what they'll do again this year in the Gulf Coast. Um, and then just shifting to the, the DSL Red Sox, um, it's also part of the Rookie League franchises. They play at El Toro Complex in the Dominican Republic. Um, that is now the only Latin America-based Rookie League. Same kind of thing starts in June, earlier June, I believe. Um, and the last time they played went to August 24th. So it's the same off by a week or so um, type of schedule, June to August. And then they'll have their playoffs at the end of August into the beginning of September. And then from there, you, you kind of see where everyone's at and whether they're going to be assigned to any fall leagues from there. Um, 
So before we start off with who we're showcasing today, did I miss anything there, Shelly? Anything that you wanted to add? Uh, no. I mean, you totally, you totally covered that. Uh, I, I will be interested to see if those those dates still kind of work. Uh, you know, with like COVID and stuff. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, you've really covered it well. All right, sounds good. So we're gonna start off with Blaze Jordan. And he was the third round pick in the 2020 draft by the Red Sox. Um, Shelly, we'll let you start this one off and then I can fill in from there. Yeah, yeah, this this was a very interesting signing. I remember watching um, I remember watching the draft and we took Nick York as you know a shocker in the first round like, I will be honest, I had no idea who Nick York was when he was selected. Right. I'm like, who is this? Um, so we kind of used the, the the savings to sign Nick York uh, to go after Blaze Jordan. Uh, Blaze Jordan is basically a super uh, a power bat. Um, he won the, the high school home run derby back in uh, 2019, so prior to who, when he was drafted. Uh, but power is his game. He has plus power potential he has a just when you watch a swing it's a very natural loft like you just watch it it's just you could just see how it goes and he's so so strong even you know you know even that he's like 18 years old he is so so strong so that is like really awesome um, that amount of power unfortunately i mean he was drafted as a third baseman but I, I really think that he's going to be a first baseman or DH. He he doesn't move well. He's just like your prototypical bopper, right? Yep. Um, so I, I'm a little bit down on, you know, kind of Blaze, like like himself, because I just need to see more of it. Like, I'm, I'm afraid that there would be a little bit too much uh, swing and miss, um, you know, just because he's so young and he's just, he doesn't really move well. I, I don't know. Um, but, I mean, he, he had a really interesting, like, Instructs League. Um, uh, like, in Fall Instructs, he had, a, like, a really kind of, like, down part. Like, the, the, the first part. But he was, like, really starting to really swing it and really hit the ball well towards the latter part. So, I'm really, really excited to see him um, when he, you know, first gets going down on the GCL. Uh, to see what we have here because he really could be someone really really interesting or he could flame out like there's a lot of different ways that you know blaze could go but um yeah so what are your thoughts um on uh blaze yeah here? I, I think that was a great recap i'll just kind of add a couple of things i mean the the raw power what you see in batting practice is off the charts and everyone we're going to be talking about today is 17 18 years old um when they drafted jordan he was 17 and they're going off of things that they saw when he was 16 so it's it's so tough with any of these players to know what direction they're going to go last week we said there's just so much projection and different paths they could take there's even more when you're talking about players that could still be in high school at this age um and he reclassified his his class to get he was drafted a year earlier um based off of kind of the, this reclassification he was expected to be drafted the year after um 
was probably going to be going to college, but like you said, they drafted him in the third round. Um, he was a, an over slot where they, they paid him a, a solid signing bonus to sign. Um, but yeah, I mean, the pros are, along with his age, this exit velocity, when he was 16 years old, he had a, a wooden bat that was 106.9 miles per hour for an exit velocity, which is unheard of for a 16 year old so the bat speed the exit velocity the raw power like what he possesses with that size is through the roof but you know will the will the hit tool be there as a a first baseman that a likely first baseman that hits right-handed you have to hit and uh, you know that's the a profile that there's more of that than anyone else so it, it takes a lot to to make the league um with that profile, so he'll have to hit. There's a higher risk. Um, it sounds like he is kind of maxed out body wise. He's six two. He's two twenty at that age. So there isn't a whole. He can't get a whole lot bigger from there. And in fact, he actually I think wanted to to lose weight to try to continue to play third base. I think the goal is to be a third baseman. And if that doesn't work out, you know, go as far as you can with that. And you always have the first base um, profile to fall back on. Um, in reading some of the, in terms of the defense, it sounds like when he has played first base, uh, he has good hands over there. So it doesn't sound like he would be a defensive liability if he ends up at first base. There's some, you know, first basemen who really are just hit and you're kind of hiding them on defense. It sounds like he has good hands. Um, and it's just going to be a matter of, can he hit? advanced pitching we haven't seen it yet there's no reason to think that he can't but um you know what we'll wait and see and and hopefully we'll we'll know a lot more at the end of this season yeah all right so we're going to talk about a couple of outfielders and you know with jordan he is a on most lists uh red Sox prospect lists he's in the top 20 uh we've found a few other names that we want to highlight that we think are interesting but we obviously don't know a ton about them yet. It's going. Uh, we haven't seen any of these players play on video, or um, they haven't at least had more than a few games, uh, whether it's in the Dominican leagues or stateside. So we're going to hit on a couple of outfielders and a couple of pitchers before we get out of here. So, uh, Shelly, do you want to start with uh, outfielder um, Miguel Blaise? Uh, yeah, so this was our, you know, the Red Sox big J2 signing um, this year. Um, he was ranked uh, 20th on Baseball America and 21st on MLB Pipeline. Um, you know, and, and this guy, this, this kid, honestly, <laughs> he's 17 <laughs> right, years right. old, right? So I, 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 no one has really seen him. Um, so I'm just basically kind of like recapping what, you know, uh, Jesse, Jesse Sanchez of MLB.com um, has said um, really about this guy. Um, but I mean, he is like one of the best athletes in the class. Um, he, he's, he's big, he's strong, he's very powerful, he's very speedy, he's very, very athletic, very, very toolsy. Um, so this is a really a really interesting guy to watch uh, going forward. I don't. I think that he's may, he might start in the DSL next year. I don't know, uh, but he has a long, uh, large, uh, strong frame, a lot of projection. Again, he's only seventeen, very athletic. Uh, he has above average bat speed. This is definitely a guy to watch 
Um, and this was, again, like our biggest, you know, uh, J2 uh, signing this year. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited to see, just get some video, because it was really hard to even find video on this kid. Um, so I'm just really excited just to see anything that we see from him, because he sounds very, very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm with you there. Looking forward to seeing that. Um, the outfielder that I was going to talk about at this level was Eduardo Lopez, and he is a center fielder, 18 years old. Um, you know, again, these players are born 2002, 2003. Um, it was most interesting to read the profile from Fangraphs from Eric Loggenhagen, who was, so he is a, um, a their top 2018 J2 signee. Um, he is a switch hitter, and they're, if you can have a kind of higher floor player that is at um, an age as young as Lopez is, this it sounds like this is that. Um, he has a lot of projectable, possibly you know, fifty to fifty-five grades if everything works out um, as a hitter, as a runner, as a fielder, and those are all you know a great kind of base to have. Um, along with being a switch hitter. So if you throw a switch hitter, ability to run, good instincts in the field, um, and pretty good raw power, it just comes down to whether they're going to hit. And we really don't know whether any of these players are going to be able to hit and hit advanced pitching, and sometimes you don't know for a couple of years. Um, but he described him as a high-probability teenager, if that exists. Um, hit pretty well in fall instructs last year, so he kind of handled his first assignment there, um, but good defensive instincts could potentially be a center fielder, which is always good to hear, um, and might just kind of be someone who has all of the different tools. It'll be interesting to see whether he'll be able to hit uh, as he moves up. So that is Eduardo Lopez. And after that, we're going to talk about a couple of pitchers. Uh, Bradley Blaylock, Shelley, um, starting presumably at the Gulf Coast League this year. Uh, yeah, Blaylock is a really interesting guy. Um, he just turned 20. Um, he was born on, on Christmas, so that's 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 pretty cool. I wonder if he got, like, birthday presents and Christmas presents. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Blaylock is, you know, a, a 6'2 uh, righty. He has, you know, a, a, a low to mid-90s fastball with a slider and curveball. Um, he participated in fall instructs back in 2019 and 20. Um, there, there could be many different ways that Blake can go. Um, he, if he reaches his ceiling, he's probably going to be like a back end type, but most likely he's just going to be like a long man, maybe some guy out of the bullpen. Uh, scouts have really, really liked his demeanor. Uh, you know, his, his swagger coming off the mound, um, you know, he was, he, like I said, he participated in Fault Instructs um, in 19 and 20. He was one of the youngest pitchers um, in both years there. So that's, that's really interesting. To get in, you know, invited to Instructs being one of the youngest pitchers, like, obviously, you know, the, the team really likes you, right? Yep. So that, that, that's, that's a really yeah, good. Yeah, no, it's a great sign. Um, exactly. Um, so he kind of got off to a slow start this year, um, but he was, you know, he's still working on his delivery. Uh, so that started to like come around towards the end of camp. 
you know, so that's so that's something really good. Um, I will be watching him just to see if we're gonna get like the number four, number five type of starter, or we get in a reliever. You know, but this guy is definitely someone to keep your eye on. I definitely think that he can definitely make the majors at some point, whether it's a starter or a reliever. Absolutely. All right, thanks. That was uh, Bradley Blaylock. And the last pitcher that I was going to talk about today is Luis Perales, uh, a 17-year-old, soon-to-be 18-year-old um, pitcher, right-handed pitcher. Uh, from Venezuela, and they signed the Red Sox signed him for seventy five thousand in twenty nineteen, um, and really kind of came out of nowhere. Once uh, you know, after the signing uh, later that year, and I remember, I want to say it was two years ago now, seeing him for the first time in an Alex Spear article in the Globe. He was throwing ninety five miles an hour with movement at age sixteen which is just, a, that's a, a whoa um, th type of thing to see in print at, at that age. Throwing 95, he's 6'1", 160, throwing 95 at 16 years old. For me, that was all I needed to know to at least be intrigued. Um, you know, reading some of the reports, uh, you know, Sox prospect guys believe that uh, he's a, a sleeper with starter potential and a high upside arm. And um, talking about the SoxProspects.com website is kind of their summary with him that high upside, obviously wide range at 17, soon to be 18 years old. But, um, you know, they kind of have had the same, you know, file that away, intriguing arm. Will be interesting to see as he adds projection, as he adds strength. Um, what we'll see from Perales. He also has a curveball that is in the mid 70s um, with spin and break and considered advanced for his age. So, this is a real, really high potential pitcher that I see for someone at his age. Again, you're looking at someone that is five, six years away if everything goes in the right direction. So, but I, I thought it was an interesting name to file away. I, ever since I saw that a couple of years ago, I've been looking forward to seeing him pitch. Unfortunately, we didn't last year, but with uh, Luis Perales um, from Venezuela, he'll probably be starting in the, the DSL this year, and I'm interested to see what he has to offer. Yeah, 100%. I, I'm really excited to see him too. Oh, I can't wait for minor league baseball to start. Oh, jeez. Yeah, and you know that's a great kind of transition into the fact that today is april 1st we have covered every level and um the first games are going to be on on may 4th so five weeks from now um we are open to any ideas any players that we didn't hit on that you were hoping to get a breakdown of um any topics any questions um you can reach either of us on twitter um my uh, twitter handle is bob osgood 15 shelly's is shelly v underscore six four three um we have some ideas and things that we want to talk about throughout the month of april um but if you have any any players any thoughts anything that that we might have touched on a little bit that you want us to go more in depth on please send that in we're happy to hear that um shelly anything that you want to add for this exciting month of no minor league baseball we'll be discussing <laughs> yeah it will be a very interesting month um, but, um, yeah, I'm just excited to just kind of get this, you know, show really off the ground now that Jake's left and we can just take this wherever we want yeah. it to go. So it should be a really fun month. Yep. The freedom is great. Yeah. Um, and we, we are going to be looking ahead to the draft a little bit. Um, we'll, 
talk about that probably in a couple of episodes. Um, so I, I know that there are, we see a lot of the questions out there. The Red Sox have the fourth pick this year. So it's an interesting year, more so than normal with the draft. So we're going to talk about that a little bit and look ahead as, as um, the draft is in June, just a couple months away. So, all right, that's yeah. it for today. Thank you everyone for listening. If you enjoy this show, please leave us a five-star review um, on whatever platform you're listening on. And we'll talk to you next week.